Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. Are you ready? 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5 verse 1. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves him, who begot also, loves him who is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God. When we love God and keep his commandments, his commandments and his are are not burdensome. Verse 4, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And I want you to recognize that. If you want to know the strategy for overcoming problems in your life, here it is right here, the indication Whoever, it says whatever, but whoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world, but he who believes that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? And this is he who came by, repeat after me, water and blood. Jesus not only by water, but by water and blood. And the spirit who bears witness is the spirit of truth. For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. Speaking of the exact deity of the Father is comprised of spirit and word. Recognize that. These three are one. And there are three that bear witness on the earth. Repeat after me again, please. The spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree as one. That means that whatever the blood desires to do, the spirit is in agreement with it. Whatever the spirit desires to do, the blood is in complete agreement with it. But what about the water? Today we're going to be talking about blood, water, and spirit. And we're going to break it down, and I want you to take note of those three things that are described here by John, and we're going to expound on them, grow with them, and see it in the Scripture, what is meant by this. So will you bless the service one more time? Will you just stretch out your hands and say, God, we set the atmosphere again. Bless this service. Bless everyone here. Bless everyone that's hungry. Bless everyone, Father. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. Amen. You can be seated. God bless you. Thank you for standing. Today, a lot of us don't get the newspaper anymore. Um, How many of you still get the newspaper? Raise your hand. Yeah. How many of you get it online, watching it online? You go to... Okay. Well, today, don't miss the article because... The very Al family is on the front page of the newspaper. What's amazing about this is that the advocate called us and asked us if we knew of a father they could do an article on and that God had changed his life. And Loopy Very Al came to us and, and we told Loopy, we said we, we would love the article to, to be about you and and tell your story. He shared a story, and it's in here. I don't want to give you too much of it, but I want you to go read it. 
And, you know, it's a story about how God changed his life and how it made him a better, a better father. What's amazing about this story is, too, I'm going to give you the behind the scenes that the paper doesn't mention. Like Brooklyn Adams, I taught him and his wife, Angelique, a Bible study back there also. But the same thing I'm teaching this semester and today. And the most, I'm going to say the most memorable moment in my ministry, one of them, was when I taught them a Bible study. At the end of the study, they saw it. Uh, you're going to know what it is by the end of service. They saw it. And in that moment, they both lifted their hands, and they were both baptized in the Holy Spirit at the same time. Now, the baptism of the Holy Spirit happens in phases in the sense of all of us experience Christ. But there is a baptism of our spirit. The origination of the word baptism comes from the word, the word baptismo in the Greek, which means to completely be submerged or dip. To completely submerge. The only way that our entire being and our heart can receive and have the fullness of God is that we are full of God. There are some people that are full of other things, but we want to be full of God. Being full of God is simply a matter of hunger and faith desire and knowledge you first have to know before you pursue you do you first have to know before you begin to pursue so I want to recap with you really quickly if you look at the first slide I have to take off and give you some examples we talked this last week and we've been teaching this throughout the week about the tabernacle and this is so relevant for today because now I'm going to begin to reveal to you God's whole plan from the very beginning. The very origin. If you remember last week, we talked about the blood trail. Do you remember the blood trail? How many of you remember that? Beginning with Adam and Eve and all the way down to Moses. And in that moment when God gave Moses the plans of the law and the tabernacle. And this was a plan. The tabernacle was the place where the blood would begin to prepare way for the Spirit of God to inhabit that ark that was in that holy place and the most holy place. And if you recognize the tabernacle, the tabernacle was right in the middle of all the camps, 12 tribes. That represented the presence of God. And like God in our life, He should be the center of our life in our families. But right here, if you look at number one, number one was, again, just to recap, it was a place of blood, the sacrifice of blood. It was a place where God took the life or received the life of an animal for the sins of his people. The next place was number two, the laver. The laver. It was a basin, essentially. It was a, a, a bowl of water. Big water. It was the place where the priests would wash their hands and their feet from the past of the sacrifice before they entered into the presence of God in the holy place. Then the third place again was where the Spirit of God was. It's a place where only the priests could come in after having been gone through the rituals. And the practices that God had instituted. 
And within that number three, that building there, there was the holy place, the Ark of the Covenant, which was the presence of God, which the high priest, only the high priest would be able to enter in and intercede for all of Israel. Last week, we also recapped and taught that we are all, we're Gentiles, not even considered in this first plan, not even considered and thought of. So in order for us to completely understand this experience we have in Christ, who was an Israelite, we have to know the customs and the culture and the origins of our God, where he came from, to understand our belief system. It's just a fact. If you don't know where you came from, you don't know where you're going. And so the Old Testament told us where we came from. The New Testament tells us where we're going. And when you begin to look at this, you're going to find that three, these three things are repeated throughout the scriptures with intention to lead us to one experience. God is very intentional. God doesn't just do things just by happenstance. God does things with the intention and the strategy to get us to a place in our personal life with him. And when you do read the scripture, you'll find that Jesus gave us the indication of this experience in a new covenant. It's all there in the scripture. But we also teach as well that when you do read the scripture, don't just take one verse and use it and build a doctrine out of it or uh, your complete life is just around one. But the, the whole life of a Christian is comprised of every jot, tittle, word, line in this Bible from Genesis to Revelation. So we put it together and then we begin to read. And the first thing we're going to talk about is, is that when Jesus came in to this world, I'm going to begin just, I'm going to jump ahead and try to tell you what actually happened here. If you look at this, this system came into the life of Christ. This system right here actually is what Jesus had to go through because the scripture says that Jesus became our high priest. Hebrews talks and uses this language. It starts speaking from a Jewish custom culture religion, an Old Testament point of view. And try to explain how the Old Testament did nothing but reveal Jesus. And Jesus became this. Watch this. Jesus became the high priest. He became the priest who went through the blood offering, which was Calvary because he gave his own blood. Not only was he the high priest, but he became the Lamb of God also. So Calvary was the first stage that represented the blood. And then the second thing that happened in Jesus' life where we overlook so many times we do it, but we don't have a full understanding of it, but Jesus himself was water baptized. Why? Why was Jesus baptized if he did not commit sin? John the Baptist understood that, and he said, Lord, you need to baptize me, not me, you. Jesus said, suffer it to be so for now. We have to be obedient to everything God said. Why? Because God was going to require it of anyone else and everyone else. 
who was going to be born again into his kingdom. So Jesus had to follow suit. Therefore, he could not. And plus, it was already established. That tabernacle, the scripture says, was a model of things that are in heaven. And Jesus could not bypass the second part. So he had to be water baptized. And I'm here to tell you that that basin represented water baptism. It washes us from our sins. Jesus went through because we had to go through it. And he projected, and it was a profession of something that he had to go through called the burial. You see, when you're water baptized, you are buried with Christ. And you rise to the newness of life. You only understand that if you don't follow a traditional method of, of denominations. But when you get the revelation and the understanding of what baptism means, means to dip or to submerge, then you understand that the old man has to be completely submerged and buried. And then the third thing was, is that Jesus said, destroy this temple, speaking of his body. And they thought he was speaking of the tabernacle that Solomon built. Destroy the temple and I'll raise it up again after three days. That was the resurrection. And that's why the scripture says that he resurrected and went into heaven and became our high priest, continually making intercession for us. And so when Jesus came and he began to minister in this world, he began to share this with people. But we need to analyze it, look at it, and dissect it. Point number one, Jesus said, you must be born again. The word born again is completely taken out of context, taken out of context many times because we are traditionally labeling that with the cross alone. What I'm going to stand here and to defend the counsel, what I believe the counsel of God is, is that a born again experience isn't only, isn't, isn't, isn't the cross alone. The born again experience is what Jesus says it was, not what I say it is. Not what you and I together say it is. It's what Jesus says it is. How many of you can agree with that? So the first time you find the word born again is in John chapter 3. The second time you find the word born again, it's only in the Bible two times. In the King James. Other translations have actually taken it out. That's why I like to stay close to the King James as much as possible. I use the New Living Translation. I've said this many times. Now you know why I like to use it the NLT for explanation, but I go back to the origin as close as I can to get the full depth of understanding. That's what a good student does, research. And so when you look at this, Jesus said it in John chapter 3, but then Peter says it again in 1 Peter chapter 3, being born again of incorruptible seed, the word of God, having obeyed the word of God. So the born-again experience happens when we obey the word of God or the plan of God or the system placed in the earth. Because there are three things that bear witness and agree in the earth. The blood, the water, and the spirit. So Jesus comes to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. And it says this, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, this man came to Jesus by night. Isn't that amazing? He kind of snuck in at night when all of his peers were sleeping. <laughs> Curious people will sneak into a church or a place without other people knowing if they're afraid of being labeled. 
But curiosity will take you in further and further and further when you have a hunger for God who will lead you and guide you to all truth. Yeah. How many of you are hungry for God and are willing to go the full mile? This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, meaning teacher, we know you are a teacher come from God. No one can do the signs that you do unless God is with him. Kind of buttering him up a little bit, wouldn't you say? Kind of curious and kind of saying to him, what he really wanted to know is how he did it. So Jesus was very wise, discerning, and he knew exactly what it was. So Jesus answered and said to him, hey, most assuredly, now that's emphasis, most assuredly, meaning without a shadow of a doubt, and that's Jesus himself saying it, I say to you, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So what Jesus was telling Nicodemus was, he said, listen, what you see in my life is the kingdom of God in me active. Because Nicodemus, he said, you're a teacher come from God, meaning that you had supernatural signs that followed your teachings. And I've never seen it before in my life. You've got to be of God. Nicodemus saw blind eyes open. He saw the dead raised back to life. He saw people had demons cast out of them. And so he became curious, right? And he said, and he snuck over at nighttime and said, Mira, I know, I know. My friends don't like you, but I want to know, <laughs> right? I know there's not Mexicans in the Bible, but I just, <laughs> it makes it funner for me. So, so Jesus tells him, look, Nicodemus, if you read between the lines, I, I know what you're after, and I'm going to help you. I'm going to give you the answer. Nicodemus said, how can a man be born when he is old? How can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? He got it. He understood it, but it was impossible. I mean, what a weird thing to go to your mama and say, hey, mama, can I go back in? <laughs> right? Surprise, surprise. surprise. <laughs> Nicodemus knew Jesus made a statement. There is no other indication that Jesus was referring to another process except a birth that came through the womb. There was no other indication. So Nicodemus understood it. Then he said this to him. Jesus said, most assuredly, again, emphasizing, I say to you, unless one is born of the water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So now he's, indicated, he's indicating the whole thing to him again and saying, listen, you got to be born again of the water and of the spirit. Now he's getting in detail, water and spirit. The only thing he didn't mention was the blood because he hadn't been there yet. But if you want to enter into this domain, if you want to experience, because remember, go back to the question, you're doing miracles, signs, and wonders, how do you do it? Really, that was the question posed. And I don't know you're a teacher come from God. No man can do the miracles that you're doing. It was about the miracles. He was trying to tell Nicodemus, if you want these to operate in your life, you're going to have to do this. And you can't do it any other way. 
And so he says to him, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit, capital S, is spirit. In other words, when you are born from your mother's womb, it was the flesh of your daddy and your mama coming together that produced your life. But this time, the people who are born of the spirit, it's going to come from my heavenly father, and it's going to be in your spirit, and you're going to have the born-again experience. I'm going to tie it in for you, and watch this. He said, do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. Again, please associate the word born again with water and spirit. We take it out of context because traditionally, we have been taught that it all happens immediately at the cross. But I'm going to show you that that is just conception. The wind blows. Watch this now. Write this down. Verse 8. Write this word down. Are you ready? The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound. Everyone say sound. Write that word sound down. Go home, look it up in a Strong's Concordance. Look up the origin of that word sound. The wind blows. We know the wind represents a spirit. How many? Raise your hand if you agree with me there. Give me a thumbs up online if you agree with me. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of the wind. The sound of the what? The spirit. But cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is who? Everyone. So is my grandma. So is my Theo, my Theo. His mom. Only my mom. No, 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 no. Everyone. Your abuelita, your abuelo, right? Your grandma, your grandpa, your, your dad, your mom, your, you, your husband, your kids, everybody. If they're going to be born of the wind or experience the wind, they have to have this what? Sound. Throw that word sound up there. So is everyone that's born of the spirit. So that word sound, it comes from the Greek word that's pronounced phone. Transliterated, it means phone. That's how we take it in the English language. What do you do on your phone? Talk. The definition of this actually means it's pronounced phone. It means sound, tone, speech, language, tongue. So you could say that Jesus said, and he was emphatic about this because he was prophesying and giving an indication for the future that what the born-again experience was going to be comprised of. And he said, when someone is baptized in the Spirit, you hear tongues. That should have hit you like, <laughs> thank you. Don't know who that came from, but it sounded good. It sounded like a Grika, whatever that. You know, it just, did I say it right? Grika, Grika. Anyhow, like a, <laughs> so <clears throat> that word, Rico, that word right there, yeah, I'd never make it on TBN, guys. I'm just <laughs> telling you right now. Language, speech is what happens when someone encounters the spirit. Jesus did not just stop there. 
Jesus continued to teach this. And if you want to know what Jesus taught, then you have to go back and see what he told the disciples to teach. Don't think the apostles were wrong. They weren't wrong. It is all throughout their writings. But you have to look at the origin. I mean, you know, they say the apple always falls and hits the tree. It doesn't fall far from the tree. Those disciples, they were born from a tree of life that produced fruit in their life. And the root of their very essence was in the teachings of Jesus Christ. And when Jesus taught them, he was very specific. So what he told Nicodemus is the very same thing he's been telling the disciples the entire time behind the scenes. So I'm going to take you behind the scenes. I want you to go right here. Point number two, write this down. The apostles taught what Jesus taught them. So now the reason why we had to recap and go back to the tabernacle is because Jesus had to go back to his disciples and teach them as well. And it says it right here, Luke chapter 24, 44 through 49. He said to them, when I was with you before, I told you that everything written about me in the law of Moses. Catch that. What was in the law of Moses? What was written by Moses? The first five, five books of the Bible called the Pentateuchs. The first books of the Bible were written by Moses. Moses and the prophets, he says, now the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. He's telling them everything you read in the Old Testament written by the prophets, the psalmists, and the poets. And he said, now I'm going to explain to you what they meant. Then he opened their minds to understand. That word understanding, when you see understanding in the scripture, it is synonymous for wisdom. He gave them insight, wisdom, understanding through teaching. That's what teaching does. So if you want to your children or your family to grow in wisdom, you have to teach them. And so he taught them. And he opened it. And with, through his teaching, he opened their minds to receive it. To understand the scripture. And he said to them, yes, it was written a long time ago that the Messiah would suffer and die. Suffer. Referencing the cross. He suffered on the cross is what the scripture says. Someone say that's where the blood was. And then died. Someone say he died. And he was buried. This indicates the burial. He was buried. And then he said that he would rise again from the dead. Someone say that's the spirit of God, the power of God, the resurrection of God. Those three things. Will you say with me again, the blood, the water, and the spirit. It is also written that the message would be proclaimed and the authority in his name to all nations. How many of you love the name of Jesus? Beginning in Jerusalem. There is forgiveness of sin for all who repent. Or repentance is a turning away, asking God to forgive you. And it's where the blood is applied. And he said forgiveness of sin. Now, I read this to 
kind of give us a broad understanding. But I'm going to reference the King James and the New King James. So I want you to make a note right here in your syllabus and say, go back home, read this scripture in the King James. And in the King James, you're going to find that it said, Jesus told them, go and preach repentance and remission of sins, and you shall receive the promise of the Father. Three things. Remission is reference to baptism. What do you mean, Pastor Bobby? Well, did you know that when you are water baptized, you are washed? You are washed and your sins are remitted? You're washed just like the priests wash their hands in the labor? You see, the reason why your sins are washed away in the water is because, remember, there are three on the earth that agree as one. And when the water does something, the blood says, I'll clean them for you. Don't worry about it. I'm helping you out. Oh, my God. I said, you're not just getting wet. You're getting forgiven and washed by the blood. But what's more amazing is, is that you take on the name of Christ also. Jesus. So it says here, there is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. And you are witnesses of all these things. And now... I will send the Holy Spirit as my Father promised. Three things. Now he talked about the Spirit. But stay here in the city until the Spirit comes on you and fills you with power from heaven. And they did. Now you can go and you can take note. Go read the book of Acts chapter 1. And what? Luke, the physician, the doctor. I'm tongue-tied right now. What he said to Theophilus, who he was writing the scripture to and letter to, he recapped on this moment right here. And you can read it in Acts chapter 1. Go back to Acts chapter 1 and you'll find a reference to what happened here because he revealed himself to his disciples for 40 days and 40 nights. So when you read the Great Commission, that's what it's called here, you'll find out that's when Jesus spent 40 days and 40 nights to explain the all entire Old Testament. And show how it pointed to him. He showed them the plans of the tabernacle and explained everything that God gave to Moses was about him. He told them that he was the Lamb of God, that they didn't have to raise sheep anymore, lambs. He told them that he went and he died and he was buried, and all they got to do is go through a water baptism under his name and he had the same benefits. He told them that he resurrected and they saw it, but he ascended up on high. He said, But don't worry, I'm gonna send the promise of the Father. And I'm going to give you what I've got on the inside. So everything that Jesus experienced was for you and I to experience by faith. By faith. How many of you understand that? Say it again. Say the blood, the water, and the spirit. You're going to understand this in a minute. But here's the miraculous part. And now we're fixing to shift gears. Are you ready? Are you ready for this? Turn to your neighbor and tell him, get ready. Pay attention. Don't think about dinner. Here we go. I know this is better. Are you ready? Jesus said you must be born again. What he was saying was is that the same way I was born, you have to be born the same way because there's no other way. There is no other way if Jesus was in the kingdom he entered in through a born-again process. 
Jesus was in eternity. Watch this now. I'm going to explain it. Jesus was in eternity, always there with no beginning, but he had to be born. So it was the first time for him. But he had to do it through the means of using a person because God could not violate his own word because he already spoke it in the book of Genesis when he told the devil that you got it this time, but that woman that you deceived out of her womb is going to come a son, a baby, and one day he's going to bruise his heel on your head. And when that woman who you deceived, that you deceived her in her body, guess what? I'm going to kick your behind through her body again, but I'm going to be born of a woman. Is that too heavy? He had to go through and fulfill his own word and said, I'm going to come again. I'm going to have a son. And he's going to be born through the same flesh that you deceived to prove to you how powerful I am. Now, here's the interesting part. Jesus was born, point number three. Jesus was born of a virgin. Virgin. So are we. How's that? Let me explain it to you this way. It's funny when you look at the verse in Matthew and you look at Mary's response to the angel who said, Mary, blesses the fruit of your womb. The child in you, he's going to save his people from their sins. Not from the Roman Empire, from their sins, from themselves. And Mary said to him, how shall this thing be, seeing that I've never been with the man? It almost sounds like Nicodemus. How can this happen? Because, see, God chooses to defy logic and reason. So the hungry people, the sincere people, can catch it and not take merit for their own goodness in their life. And God, in his infinite wisdom, said, I've got to fulfill my word. So I've got to have a person to do it, but I can't use just anybody. I need a virgin. Someone pure, without, without fault and without, without having been, been a place of occupancy. I, I, I don't need somebody who's already had a child. I don't need someone experienced. I need someone available. And the angel showed up in Mary's life, and the scripture says that the Spirit of God overshadowed Mary, and she conceived. Here's the miraculous part. I've taught this study to doctors. Two of them I've asked this particular question. One of them received this experience back in that room. I said, is it possible for a child to be born without the blood of the Father? They said, no. That's what makes the birth of Jesus a miracle. Because even doctors know that the baby has to have blood from the Father. And that's what made the blood of Jesus so precious because he got it straight from heaven. From his Father. And then Mary just had the availability. But when she brought forth 
Jesus. When she brought forth Jesus, he had to be born and go through the same process outside of that. You see, at that point, no one had ever been born like that. No one. It was impossible. That's why they were outcasts. That's why Joseph wanted to put her away. That's why they were scared. But then God steps in and says, it's okay. This is part of it. You've got to be ridiculed if you're going to be part of my plan. You've got to be in a place where you stop caring what people think. I have to use somebody who loves me more than people. I have to be able to have somebody that follows after me and not following after men. If you have to run for your life and hide because you are a derelict, because you're considered a, 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 a uh, 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 an outcast, that's okay, because what I'm going to put inside of you is going to be more precious than any gold, than any silver, than any pearl, than opals and diamonds and rubies and gems, anything in this world, anything in this world. And in the womb of Mary was the greatest treasure this world would ever see. And when she brought forth his son, she had to go through the same pain that she promised Eve when he said to her, you're going to bring forth children in pain. And she brought forth Jesus. But like every other mom who's ever had their baby, baby delivered naturally, what is the first thing? Just kind of curious. What's the first thing that you, happened to you when that baby was coming? Yeah, yeah, I heard it. What happens? I remember the first time my wife's water broke freaked me out. I'm like, we're standing, brushing our teeth together, and all of a sudden, whoosh, I'm like, what in the world was that? I mean, the, I mean, forgive me for the specifics, but the, like the toilet's right there, and you couldn't make it? I didn't know what it was. I'm just being honest. I didn't know what it was. It was the water breaking. You know what happens when you go in the water and you come out? You break water. Oh, that's, I'm telling you. Watch this now. And then the next thing that had to happen is that baby had to have signs of life. What I'm trying to tell you is, is that there is a process that's taking place in the natural that God does in the supernatural. But when you say, Pastor Bobby, that you had to be born just like Jesus was, I don't understand. Let me explain it to you. We taught during this semester in the first week that you are the bride of Christ. You are married to Jesus. And that you were unholy before. But because of the blood, you're, in his eyes, a virgin. Now, keep in mind that God said to Abraham, for his sake, I want to have many children. Through you, Abraham, I'm going to bless you, but he only gave Abraham one son. Meaning that although Abraham will have one son, Isaac will have many. But see, God sent his only begotten son into the world that through his life, there would be many more to come. 
But the only way that God could have a family is that they had to be born again just like his son was born. And the process happens through the bride, his wife. And I'm just asking you, who is married to Jesus? You better get your thinking straight because if you don't, the devil's going to have a heyday in your life if you don't know who you are. I said, who is the bride of Christ? Are you married to him or not? Do you have his name or not? Are you the bride of Christ or not? Somebody say amen if you understand what I'm talking about. I'm not mad. I'm just passionate about it. Because when you understand who you are and that the blood makes you pure and that you're holy and that when you come together, we are the body of Christ. (laughs) The scripture says that when two get married, the two become You are the what? The body of who? How did you become the body of Christ? The two became one. This is all about marriage. It's all about God wanting a family. When you come together, you are the bride of Christ. That's why corporate anointings are different. Because intimacy takes place. You know what happens when you worship God? Spirit to spirit is the deepest intimacy that you can have. Not flesh to flesh. Not intellect to intellect. Spirit to spirit is the deepest intimacy. And that's what happens in worship. Let me paint you a picture. Let's go to the first slide with the blood. See, that building represents your body, the bride of Christ. And when worship takes place, this is where God works on the hearts of people to repent. And they go to the cross by faith. And when the cross is presented, the blood is applied. Well, I don't see blood. I don't smell blood. No, no, no. It comes from heaven just like Jesus' blood came from heaven. Anybody? Is anybody catching this? I'm talking about being born again. I'm teaching you this from a true biblical perspective. To have a good foundation for your family so you know what you believe so you can have a strong foundation that the floodwaters and the winds and the storms can't wash away your legacy. Because whoever built his house on this rock, nothing can knock it down. And if you get knocked down, you're okay. If you got the foundation still, you can build again. I'm trying to tell you that God's house can't be destroyed. You're the house of God. And in the womb of the church, the womb of the church, the blood is applied. See, the cross is just conception. You've received your identity, your DNA. The nature of God is now infused into you. The blood is applied, but it doesn't stop there. Where we have dropped it, in the church and denominations, we've limited our faith to a doctrine that was agreed on by a board member, a member of people, men, who said, this is what we believe, God bless, and anything outside of that, we're not going to stand for it. But God says, I'll lead you and guide you into all truth. That's why I'm sending you the Holy Spirit. 
and through revelation, through time, you understand what really happened in their life. Because all of us began at the cross not really knowing what happened except we were forgiven. That's all we know when we first started. We were forgiven. And the blood was activated in our life. But then the Spirit of God will begin to direct you and guide you to go all in. And this is where, number two, second slide. This is where the water breaks. The first one represented the cross, the blood, the altar of fire. The second place again, number two, the water. And these three agree. So in the eyes of God, when you are going down in the water, the blood agrees with that and the spirit. But you are buried with Christ. See, that's what your water baptism is. It's a type of burial. Where the old man is buried and the new man rises up. But when you pass from death to life, you have to break the barrier. The water breaks. And like any baby, when your baby comes out, Whatever name you and your husband decided the name of that baby was going to be, that be. And guess what God decided he wanted his children to be called after? <sighs> Let me remind you, for there is no other name given under men whereby we must be saved. But that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He's given him a name that all power and heaven and earth are subject to and whom all the family of heaven and earth are named after. And he said he will give us a name, a new name, and give us a name that would be above principalities, devils, demons, the name of Jesus. How many of you pray in the name of Jesus? Come on, somebody. How many of you really, really, when you're asking God to move, you, do you say, in Jesus' name? Come on, somebody. Give, give me a nod. Give, give, me a, give me a Baptist clap. Come on, some, give me something. Give me a Pentecostal shout. Give me something. We pray in the name. We thank God in the name. We live by the name. We take on the name. My name is Robert Xavier Rivera Jesus. I don't care. I'm part of the family of God. The name that God chose to give us is the name of his son. That's why the scripture says, whatever you do in word and deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Baptism is a deed, a work of God. I'm not arguing doctrinally about methods and, and formulas of baptism. I'm not standing here to tell you what I'm against. I am standing here defending the gospel for what we're for. And we are for the name that is above every name and is precious. But I have never heard any of you, as many as I prayed with, ever say, Father, we ask you this in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. I've only heard you say one name, not titles, one name in your life. And because you know that there's power in the name of Jesus. There is no other name. So that's the method that we follow. Not to be argued with, but embraced. And we celebrate it. 
Because I trust me, trust me. When you were born, male or female, you were identified by your gender. It's not a political pun, by the way. But at the end of the day, they started calling you by your name. Is that right? Little tie. Is that right? Come on, little Richard. Little Bobby. <laughs> little big baby. Caleb, my son was huge. Oh, Caleb. Nine pounds, three ounces, all of it. Big old. <laughs> you know what's amazing? I asked the medical doctors I've taught the study to. I, I, I've asked them. I said, so... So what is the first thing you look for after the baby is born? They said, Pastor, the first thing we have to look for is a cry because a cry indicates breath. Here's the next slide. Change the next slide. There you go. You see, to be born again into the kingdom, I'm not talking about salvation here. There are some things we don't yet understand and see, but we do know that God chose a method. Salvation begins at the cross, and salvation is a journey, not a one-time experience. And the judge, the great merciful and loving judge of our souls, the one who calls the shots in that area, we're just here to see lives changed and introduced into a new life, in a new world, in a God-forsaken world called the kingdom of God. And Jesus said, unless you're born again of water and the spirit and you hear the sound because every baby that's born has to have breath. And that does not exempt God's children from it. God would never allow his children to be born without his spirit or his breath. When he made Adam, what did he do when he made Adam? He breathed in him the breath of life. And then Adam became a what? Living soul. You see, we used to be dead in the trespasses of sin, but now we are alive in Christ. How do you know we're alive? Because we have the breath of God. How do we have the breath of God? Because we've been born of the Spirit. How do you know you've been born of the Spirit? Because you hear the tongue, the language, the sound thereof. So is everyone. Is that why they were all speaking in tongues on the day of Pentecost? Well, I don't know about that, Pastor Bobby. I've never spoken in tongues. and I believe I got the Holy Ghost. You do have the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost doesn't have you. Yeah. Your body, soul, and spirit. You've allowed God into your body by good works. You've allowed God into your thinking, but you never allowed him to surrender to the hidden sin in our lives, which is the spirit. Most Christians live in the two-dimensional world, some in a one-dimensional world, having a form of godliness but denying the power. You don't want to miss next week. I ain't giving it to you today because you won't show up next week. I've done this a long time. I know how it works. I feed you too good during this service. You'll be full. You won't show up next week. 
Next week, I'm going to explain to you in detail like you never heard it before, God willing, about why tongues. Oh, okay. You'll hear from me sometime. One of the boys is speaking, but they're going to do a great job. So here's, here's where we have to go to. I, I got to close. How many of you are catching this right now? This is, not a, this is not up for debate or argument. Or this, is not, uh, um, this is in no way trying to deprive anyone of their current experience in Christ. And please don't come up to me and say, well, I believe this. I be I'm just going to tell you straight up, go read your Bible. Go pray. Ask God to show you. Because if I, show, I just showed you the best way I can show you. If you ain't got it then, it's not a... It's, it's not an intellectual, it's an intellectual problem, and that stems from a heart problem. You've got to let the heart of God change your heart. This is for hungry people. This is for people that are hungry, people that want to be changed, people that aren't stuck in traditional teachings, people that aren't stuck on, on, on I'm going to say it, but, but understand me, people who aren't stuck on what mama, daddy, grandmother, grandfather taught you. If it ever occurred to you that revelation has been passed down from generation to generation as an act for us to steward, to grow from it, not to camp out at it? Read the scripture when you find out what happens when men choose to camp out and not grow out. It happened at the Tower of Babylon. And when they decided to stay there because they thought of themselves great and they've arrived, they started to build a tower and God confused their language. But isn't it amazing in the New Testament how when God dispersed his people, he gave them a new language also that no one else understood but yet still blessed them? Under a new covenant, the same thing happened. Over an old covenant, they were forced to. But under a new covenant, God said, I'm going to do the same thing, except I'm going to bless them this time. Because my blood is going to be able to prosper them and bless them. And my spirit will make sense of everything. You may not understand speaking in tongues. It was never meant for you to understand it as far as your senses. And except through your spirit. God gives giftings to interpret. And there is a whole other lesson on that. But the bottom line is the experience is real. And it was never meant to bring confusion. Never meant to bring confusion. It confused the people in Jerusalem. But you know what was really happening? You want to know what was really happening that day? Like the birth of Jesus, like the birth of Jesus, when he was born in Bethlehem, the shepherds came and the angels arrived and they celebrated him. But God said, this time when my child is born, I'm going to put him right in the middle of Jerusalem, the very place that tormented, the very place that crucified, the very place where my people are tortured, the very place where we're scrutinized, where we're outcasts. I'm going to put him right in the middle of society. And I'm going to still send angels there, ministering angels like flames of fire. I'm going to baptize my people, but they're going to give birth. The world may not understand, but I'm going to give birth 
birth to my child, my children. Here's what happens, the last slide. Children are born in the womb of the church, born again. Lives are changed. And I'm going to tell you, like God did, he doesn't want it to be done in a corner, hidden in a corner someplace. He wants it to be done openly so everyone will know. Your life with God was never meant to be hid. Our life is hid in Christ. But there's a world that needs to know that there's more to experience than religion. There's more to experience than tradition. There's more to experience than just going to church and going through the routines. What, what The routine... What actually is happening here today, the bride of Christ is manifesting, and God is spending time with his wife. God is spending time, and, and, and God wants to produce children. Do you understand what's happening here? The church building is nothing more than a private place for God to get to. I'm going to talk to you, but I want you to be a mature adult about what I'm about to say. Are you ready? The church house is a private room for God to have intimacy with his bride so children can be born into the world. If you think that's perverted, then you've got a perverted mind because this is a pure thing. It's not intimacy. It's like Mary, the Spirit of God, descended and embodied her body. Likewise, the Spirit overshadows and begins to change lives when we come together. So it's not about Pastor Bobby or just the singers. This is a corporate effort. And when you surrender to the same God we're trying to worship and tried to lead you to, there is something special that takes place. And you bring your family and your loved ones, it's not, it's gonna be, it's gonna be God that's gonna change their life because God is gonna be in the atmosphere because God's bride is surrendering to him. And when there is power in the agreement of people, they said, God said himself, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I will be right in the middle of everybody. <laughs> throw up the first slide one more time. Just throw that first slide up real quick. The first slide. I'm so sorry, sweetheart. The, the tabernacle slide in the wilderness. Throw that slide. Okay. Number one. The blood, number two, the water, number three, the spirit, they all agree as one. Number one, Calvary, number two, water baptism, number three, the resurrection. Number two, the burial. Calvary, the burial, the resurrection. Number one, do you remember your experience the first time you gave your heart to God? The first time you were forgiven? Number two, have you ever been water baptized? If not, we would love to baptize you. If you've not taken on the name of Christ, if you've not been baptized, it's time to get baptized and be born again into the water, into the body of believers. And number three, the Spirit of God is the promise of God. And everyone, it's for everyone that believes.
Now go to the very last slide, and this is what I just showed you. See that system? Now you are the temple of God. When you went through everything that God intended in agreement together with him, his plan, his system, when you've been through the Calvary to the cross, when you've been water baptized, when you have received the Spirit of God, now everything God had in an old covenant, an old testament, was all meant to make you become what he wanted. Now you're the temple. 1 Corinthians 3, 16. Do you, not, do you know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? 2 Corinthians 6 and 16. And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them, not with them, in them and walk among them and I will be their God and they shall be who? My people, my family. My family. There's one more slide. Throw the last one up to the part, section three. I told you just like Jesus was born, we had to be born again and he was the firstborn among many brethren. I'm sure that slide is there. It's there, correct? Ah, no, that's not it. You'll find it. I'm going to share it with you. It was after the crying baby, but here, here's, here's what I want to share with you. The next one after that. Here's what I want to share. Okay, they didn't have it. Here's, here's what I want to share with you. The scripture says, as Jesus was born, he was the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. The same way Jesus was born into this world, you and I were born the same way, spiritually. And that's what God, and that's what Jesus was telling Nicodemus. Come on, Haley. That's what Jesus was telling Nicodemus. You must be born again. If you want to see these things in our life, in your life, you got to be born again. See, that same message applies to us today because I can't tell you how many times I've talked to people and they told me I've got this addiction. I can't get loose of this, this, this curse. I, I, feel, I find myself doing what my dad did. I found myself doing what my mom did. I find some things in my life I inherited, and, 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 and I tell him, well, where do you go to church? Do you go to church at all? What do you? He goes, I believe in Christ. I, I've repented. I've made him my Lord and Savior. That's wonderful. But, but have you been taught about everything God has for you? Because a lot of people just live at the cross, and the cross is powerful. The blood forgives us of our sins. But God did not expect us just to stay at the cross. God wanted us to go all the way to Jerusalem. How many of you understand what I'm talking about? A lot of people come and they receive forgiveness of sin on a daily basis because the power of the cross is always there by faith. But too many people lack power 
and they're relying on willpower, not real power. And willpower will only get you so far. You need real power. And that's what God intended you to have. See, Jesus was born without sin. And here's the complicated part, and this is what religious teaching will, will deprive you of. Some people think it's not able, you're not able to completely be delivered from an old nature. That's why the two greatest words, powerful words in the earth, is I am. Because what follows after I am is a declaration of who you think you are. And Jesus followed that rule, and he said, I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the way, the truth, and the life. You need to say, I am forgiven. Not I am a sinner. I am forgiven. I am blessed. I am highly favored. I am born again. I have been buried with Christ. I have been forgiven by Christ. I, have the, I am, come on somebody, I am blessed. But you are a child of God. You're not an addict. You're not an alcoholic. Not when you've been filled with the Spirit. Not when you've been walking in the Spirit. Not when you've got new wine inside of you. You understand what I'm talking about? Not when you're addicted to the Holy Ghost. I'm just telling you that there's a whole new life that God has, and there's so much more that God has for you. And if you'll start believing that and get past your tradition and get past your, 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 your God-inherited traditions, that robs us. And read the Bible in its entirety. Not to prove a belief. But to experience a God with no limitations. That he wants to empower you. And strengthen you. And live in you. And give you everything necessary to help you be what he's called you to be, ultimately a son of God. The devil really didn't know. You know, I, I, it just really came to me this past week in, in the 40 days of temptation of Christ. The devil wasn't trying to just, uh, you know, get it out of. It was he, the devil, Satan himself, was fishing for information it wanted to know, if you're the son of God, do this. If you're the son of God, do this. Because we've seen prophets before. I, we, we've seen Elijah. We, we, we've seen Daniel. We know they had angels with them. They called fire from heaven. They went into fire and never got burned. We've seen prophets before. But if you're the son of God, do this and do that. And Jesus said, I'm not doing none of that. I don't have to prove myself to nobody but him. I am a son of God. He knew who he was. And the reason I'm saying that is because the devil didn't know that Jesus, who he was, entirely because the scripture says that if hell had known that Jesus was the Son of God, they would have never crucified him afresh. Fresh. Because the repercussions from that were astounding. But now, what is happening in the world is that God is waiting. Are you ready? For the manifestations of the sons of God. That the God's children would rise up to the occasion. 
See, now that you've been born into a kingdom, you have now taken on. That's why when the apostles were writing the epistles, everything after the book of Acts is our epistles, including the book of Revelation. Written to churches, they started in the book of Acts. And they speak from a perspective of salvation and, and being born again. And when they begin to talk about being seated with him in heavenly places, they're talking about a real experience because the inward man is connected. And it's victory from victory to victory, not from defeat to victory to defeat to victory to defeat to victory. With what and who you are, God never intended us to live a roller coaster ride of Christianity. God intended us, and I'm not trying to give us false pretense. I'm not trying to, to give us something that isn't realistic. But I'm simply telling you that if you'll simply become the priest, now that you've been born into the system, you see, the old covenant. The old tabernacle was a shadow of the thing from heaven that really existed. And God brought it and put it in you. Now you've been made priest. And if you'll just simply go into the presence of God every day and keep the incense going. If you go into the holy place now and get wisdom from the light of God's word through the menorah. If you'll just simply go in there and get the bread of life and healing and deliverance for our souls for the 12 loaves of the tribes of Israel. If you'll simply become the priest and go and keep the, in, the incense going day and night, that's prayer. And if you'll just be a priest, I promise you that the high priest that's in the presence of God will visit you. And what's in that ark and then that presence will begin to alter your life. And you'll begin to see your late life change completely around you. And your families will be blessed. And your marriages will be blessed. And your children will be blessed. And your careers will be blessed. And the anointing will work in your life. And favor will show up. And things will happen that have never happened before. Because you're more than just a people. You're God's people. You're more than just children. You're God's children. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.